guys for doing the intro again. Hi guys, I'm Danny. And I'm Molly. And we're back for a very special Black Chick Lit. But before we get into it, we just wanted to say hey, check in. Hey. How are Hi. things, Molly? Girl. Are y'all baking? <laughs> it's actually not too bad out there today. Today? So, what about, how was today. it? Today. <laughs> We've been up in the hundreds for the past three or four days. Yeah, that was, that was us for a minute and i think that's going to be us next weekend but we've yeah. had a little short short little break um <laughs> i've been reading spare did you okay i did the audio because i was like I, i'm not gonna make I'm it through. okay good <laughs> i did the audio it was interesting like that might be enough <laughs> to be social because like i have thoughts and i think it's interesting that people are he just made this for money like okay like, yeah. <laughs> and his daddy yeah. disowned him he's got to feed the kids somehow so how far are you i'm about halfway through okay so it's it's that whole book like i was like wow and yeah. I was, I don't know why, I think of you and your husband in conjunction with them because you got married oh, the same like... year, you had a baby the same time. It's like, they're your uh, tether or something. I mean, if anything, I'm her tether. <laughs> if anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see you, girl. I watched that documentary too. I was like, let me, let me climb down a little bit. Use my little credit. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I had to put mine on hold because I kept getting a whole bunch. Like I have Libro and I have like 17 and they just keep adding up. It's like, I got to spin these. Y'all need to stop. So I think I switched to every other month because I was like. Yeah, they don't have that on Libro. So <laughs> it's just one a month or you can get more. So that's interesting. What I am reading, I've been reading the I'm deep in the Veronica Speedwell mystery series, which is I don't know if you're familiar with that series. It's like um, she is a Victorian lepidopterist, which is a fancy word for a butterfly hunter. And so she, yes, so she kind of gets pulled into um, solving mysteries. And then she ends up with a partner who, you know, it kind of like is a romantic tete-a-tete between them, but she has her partner who's a natural historian. So they kind of go around and they solve mysteries in like Victorian England. And it's kind of fun because like, I just needed something yeah, chill, not too gory, yeah. not too thing. And the narrator who narrates the first four books, she's really good. So I've been listening to those and I'm on book like, four there's like nine and all which is also another plus for me because i wanted something i could really like binge so there's like mm -hmm. nine of them they're really good they try to be inclusive even though they're historicals that take place in a certain time so they're really good i like it. i've been in my mystery true crime era i guess so remember in high school i was reading something that i was like about, what like, what oh. what you know those court of throne and roses <gasps> you read those God! Well, I read all of them. <laughs> they were so like, what's what's the tea? Like what is, it's like there's crack in them because I'll see people and they're like, I don't like these books, but I keep reading them. What's- I actually <laughs> reading them. Like the first book I'm like, oh, I hate this dude. And then it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And you just, it's like, okay, I guess I'll just start the next one then. It's like, am I enjoying it? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I gotta like, figure it out. 6,000 pages at this point, I gotta get to the end. And like, are they YA? Because I heard they get kind of risque. So I had to look this up because I never <laughs> touched them because they were YA, but I guess they came to Homegirl right at the beginning and they said, hey, we got this new thing called edit. Oh, um, there you go. That's a whole. Like that? And she was like, yeah, whatever, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then it came out as any and that didn't take off yet. 
So they were like, hey, this isn't selling. Should we rebrand it as YA? And she was like, yeah, sure. And then they were like, well, we got to tone down the sex and the violence. She was like, the fuck you will. And <laughs> <I'm done." laughs> violent. This cannot be YA. Okay. Because I think that was a theory involved in that scandal where they gave, they put in the book box and they gave like penis-shaped soap. And people were like, this is not appropriate for teenagers. Yeah. And I think that was the series. It's a book I would have read as a teen. (laughs) But is it a book your teen should read? (laughs) That's two different questions. (laughs) Two different questions. Like, you would snuck up and read it. Yeah, I feel... I feel a lot of different kind of ways about it because I also saw that she has some other controversy, like promoting her book around. Yes, and I was like, yeah. oh, like if I had seen that first, I would have probably not read it. But then I was like, okay, I'm fine. Not minute. I'm in it now. Let me let this be. You know the time that I. You know how people are always like, do you have Oh, let this be the time. Okay, <laughs> like let it be the time that we say okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> also, also, my job found out about this podcast. <laughs> I thought they knew. <laughs> There's something worse about people you see in real life. Like I can act a fool in front of complete strangers, but if I have to see your face in the hallway at my like HR, like, like <laughs> you're my H, you work in the HR department. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. <laughs> So if, you're, if you're still listening, please, you know, don't think poorly. This is a good, this is a good, this is a good one to listen to. Yes. You work with me. Yes. This is a good one. I will co-sign on that. We'll keep this little intro good too. Well, I am glad we will have to do an episode because I'm wondering, is your brief foray back into like the Sarah J Mass world? Was this TikTok inspired? Because I feel like back with the Colleen Hoover, back with all this, all these books that were big on booktube like almost a decade ago. And now book, like book talk has like Frankenstein resuscitate them, brought them back to life. And I can't escape them again. They're all back. It's like, I lived through this once. Is this I, how people I, feel when like fashion comes back, when like bell bottoms come back? It's like, I did this already. And the Y2K, oh my God. Um, so I'm very new to TikTok, even though I'm sitting like way too much time on it. I'm not engaged with book talk a lot okay. because I feel like, I don't know, like segregating and I don't want like a lot of things to influence. Like, you know what I mean? Like I want to make my own really? judgments, which, you know, we should do, we've got another thing, another book that I'm trying to do. <laughs> it didn't work out for me. But um, I still want to yeah. do that book. I, I think I know I the one. I do that book. I you just, I went out of town. I went out of town because you read it. And Molly read this book and she texted me. She's like, mess. And I was like, I got to read it. We got to record it. But then I went out of town and I got all thrown off. So we can still, Let's I, do it. I, I have thoughts too. Yes. Um, but no, I, this is my straight up like, so I, I didn't know that it was like this, but I just knew that I saw it a lot. And I don't know a lot about that Colleen Hoover either, but I see her book a lot. Yes. And I was in the airport. And I had a book with me and I, girl, it was a whole mess. We got on and off, on and off, on and off the plane for like two straight days. And then one of those on and offs, I left my book on the plane. Aww. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I need a new book. And this one was like $7 and it was super like chonky. So you know me. <laughs> you like I'm going to pick the most book for a <laughs> lot of money. <laughs> one thing that I kind of wanted was like, anything that's not serving the plot, get rid of. Or anything, like any plot holes. Like in the second book, she was like, oh yeah, my name is such and so, such and so, first last name. And she's like, 
I just never like use my last name because I don't think about it. It's like, she never said the last name of the first <laughs> month. Like, oh, French to fantasy. What's going in there? Like, oh, you hate this? You hate the love interest now? He did. He gone. He's gone. <laughs> he gone. <laughs> I feel like, you know who also does that? Uh, Ethic and or, uh, Antoinette, Ashley Antoinette and Javar. Like, their books kind of right. have that vibe. It has that, it, ha- it has a lot of that same vibe. It has a lot of parallels to kind of like the urban thing. It's like, girl, like every time, she don't talk about food at all. It's like um, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire with a level of violence. But George R. R. Martin knows how to write about food. You be reading those books, I'm like, I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> this is like, she's like, there was an apple on the table. But let me tell you about my gown. Let me tell you about my fit. <laughs> we were all up here. She's like, she's like, goes into detail. Like, and my man was looking good. And I was looking good. And we were like, she's got some real Ashley <laughs> energy. That's a compliment, by the way. Um, you do, we have to get off. You have to go to Am I the Asshole and look up the Am I the Asshole post where the girl, lady asked if she was the asshole for reading that series to her four-year-old. No, girl. You didn't need no <laughs> post for that? <laughs> she said she would skip over the violent parts and she would skip. <laughs> I'm gonna send there's it to you. There's literally nothing else in that <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing else. I think this may have broken up her marriage. Like her husband found out about it. He got very upset. It was, I'm going to send you the post. I'm going to share it in this it thread. It's, it's, it's wild. So on that note, um, we had a wonderful interview. We are also both reading or read. I don't know how far Molly got with through it. I'm still reading. I'm like, this close. I'm like, What Never Happened, the latest book by Rachel Housel Hall. As of the posting of this recording, it is now out. It is out now. You can go buy it and read it. So please listen. We ask her about the writing process. We ask her what it's like to be a Black woman in this, you know, thriller suspense space. And she gives some pretty great answers. So she said, so I can't remember what she said. She said, like, life is, she basically just throws to my whole, uh, my whole philosophy that life sucks and you got to be ready for whatever plot twist comes your way. So it was almost like a little therapy session for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, so she was great. She yeah, was really, I really great. like this interview. So Molly's employers, everyone else, enjoy this episode. It's it's a yeah. great one. And we'll see you next time for. Do we want to say the name of it? Because I think if we say the name of it, like it's gonna force us to that's sit a, down and record. That's accountability. I, I need to talk <laughs> about this book. I need to talk about this book. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Everything's fine by Cecilia Rabis. Rabis. R-A-B-E-S-S. We will okay. know by the time because... We gonna do a dive. Yes. We, we have some stuff to talk about with this book. Awesome. Well, I'm excited already. Yes. Enjoy this fabulous interview. It was so much fun. We're just so pleased that she came out and reached out to us and talked to us because, yeah, she was like one of the very first authors to... Engage. Engage. Us so yeah. Yes, and she like tweeted at us and everything. I loved it. I guess it, it was. It reminds me of like old school book Twitter because it was mm-hmm. kind of like we just put that book. It was like we just need a thriller. Like once we started going away from like the really like lit heavy yes books and started doing genres, they were like, hey, we haven't read any thrillers, and then we just found that one, and it was like, okay, this sounds wild, and then. You know, it's kind of a bygone era now where you could just hop on and people interact with you and you interact with them. And yeah. you see them kind of like put out so much work and you're like, yes, I'm a fan. Like, 
the whole Twitter early days and like yeah. when, yeah, I don't know. I feel like COVID broke the world. Like, and I don't know if I can blame everything. Like, it, that's not COVID, that's not COVID's fault, but I'm gonna blame it anyway. So I'm gonna blame COVID. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, and thank, enjoy, and we'll see you next time. I don't know if this is the outro, the intro, whatever. Enjoy the rest of the episode. <laughs>
uh, our president and for all the executives. And so when they want a letter, I have to write it. And so there's no, you know, woe is me. I don't have the muse with me to, I need to write. So that helps. But yeah, it, 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 it's a lot sometimes. And as I uh, get older, I feel myself slowing down in some ways and just wanting to sit somewhere and stare at a TV. But I love these stories. I There's so many stories I want to tell. Um, and y'all read many of them. So And they're very different. So yeah, a lot of stuff to write about. Yeah, I think, so I think Molly's read more than me. I've read, we they let, I'm sorry, I'm really bad with titles, but I read these toxic down. things, they uh-huh. all fall down and we lie here. And I'm currently yes. reading the newest one you have coming out, What Never Happened. And Molly, I know you've read a lot of the older ones. Yeah, yes. so, let me see, I read, I'm also terrible at titles. You would think. After the new Norton series, like Land of Shadows. Uh, yeah, and then, mm-hmm. um, some of the audible original ones like okay. the one where they were out in the desert uh-huh, and uh-huh. um the one with the triplin boyfriend who yeah. had the camp, the uh-huh. camp uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so thank you thank you so i if i may start with out of order because it seems like a good segue i've always wondered how mystery and spiller and suspense writers sort of plot their narratives because for me when I used to write, I was always like, just go where the story takes you. But I feel like you can't do that for these kind of stories. I feel like you have to have details and like, so that everything makes narrative sense when the big reveal happens at the end. So what is that mm-hmm. like plotting a story where you kind of want to leave hints as to what direction it's going to go, but you want it to still maintain, maintain some suspense? Right. Well, fortunately, um, mystery, thriller, crime, all of it, it, this genre has a way of writing. So that from the very beginning, you know, you have to have you know, a body or a crime that's like the first act with the end of the first act being, oh, I was wrong. And then it launches into the second act and that's where all the investigation and the third, storming the castle and here's the, here's the whatever, here's the, the answer. So that helps a lot, you know, knowing that you have to hit several beats that you need red herrings and all that. But, you know, some people can do it. Some people can't. I tend to, uh, after I write my first draft, I do it longhand and then print it out. I look at, I do a timeline, like a literal lateral timeline of the story and then go about uh, sprinkling and amping up or cutting out altogether. Um, so very manually, I do this. And also, you know, I, I want it to be an organic uh, twist. I want them to be, I don't want to sucker punch anybody. I want to, you know, write a story where it's like, I told you all the, I told you at the very beginning and you missed it because, you know, magicians do this while they're doing this back here. And so I like that. Um, so I, I take a lot of care on setting up, you know, the plot. Uh, I tend to, when I'm writing, when I'm about to start an idea, I actually go and look on the internet to see if anything similar has happened in real life Mm. so that I can see, you know, how it started and how it ended. And that helps me uh, with plotting too. Um, Almost every, yeah, every story I've written, there is like some true story out there where it's like, yeah, this actually happened. Wow. Yeah. And that's why it's crazy. People are crazy. That's why I didn't have so many stories to write because like, wow, this actually happened in some ways, not like one-to-one, but yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you have um, another book coming out in February that I think is a total like shift. What has that been like to change? Oh my God. Terrifying. Because my natural inclination is crime and crime and mystery exists in this world. It's very Mm -hmm. hard, very, the rules are the rules. You can't kill people and up is down all of it. Uh, Fantasy, which will be my first in a series of four, it's a duology, comes out in February and it's called The Last One. And it's basically uh, The Witcher meets N.K. Jemisin. So action and intellect kind of smushed together. And again, I was terrified because I met one, the world building. It's a totally different kind of world. And again, I'm the type who likes to check off boxes very, you know, hard and fast. And for this, it's like, uh, wow. And I, I don't know what to do. And so... I turn to the pros in my life, my husband and my daughter, who are, you know, either read it or play it or comic book geek to whatever. And I went for it and it, it it worked. I think it helped that I'm a gamer. So I've actually played The Witcher and I'm playing Diablo 4 with my husband right now. So I'm used to that kind of thinking, but writing it. And plus it was, they're bigger books. Um, my mysteries are nine, 80 to 90,000 words. And I, you know, I'm one of the thicker writers in terms of page length. Mm-hmm. So they're like 120,000 words. And it's like, well, what do, what do I say? <laughs> uh, but there's lots of things to say. So I, I, I did it. I'm excited for it. Um, I am, actually enjoyed writing it. It was a departure. And, you know, I like learning how to write different things. So, yeah. It, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So February 6, 2024. And what was the title? I don't know if we said the title. The Last One. The Last One. Awesome. Yes. I'm trying that to get is... to play Baldur's Gate with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's going to be one of the fancy <laughs> ones with the, the, the foil edges and the art and all that, like a limited Ooh. edition of, um, it's Ooh. from the same house, the same publisher that uh, published Fourth Wing. Uh, yeah wait fourth yeah, yeah. it's fourth week Rebecca yeah. Yaros. Yeah. yes they so, will go all out for those nice fantasy yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's like lord I have seen what you did for Rebecca <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get the book talk girlies we gotta like yeah. send some copies to those book talk girly influencers to make sure to send <laughs> everybody so yeah, yeah. Um, we, sorry, before Molly came on and I hate to switch directions completely, but before Molly came on, we were talking about like, so speaking of genre, I am like a romance girly. So that was my background mm. and Molly actually got me reading more fantasy. And then I don't know. I just, we read, actually, maybe it was Molly also got me started reading more suspense and thriller too, because we, I think you discovered the first all fall down and you said we should read this one. And that kind of started mm. it. And so. I really liked, I was saying before you got on Molly, I was telling her like, your book stressed me out. And I mean that in a good way. (laughs) And you were saying something I thought was really insightful about like how that's life is. And I was kind of, that kind of tied into one of the questions we had about like, this book takes place at a very stressful time for I think everyone. And I was like, and from like, not to be call myself out, but like, I remember March, first of all, my birthday is March 11th. Second of all, yeah. Second of all, my mom got diagnosed with brain cancer literally like a week after COVID started. So that whole time period. And when you said 
what you said, and I would love for you to say it again about like how that's how life you'll be going and then boom, yeah. that really kind of hit with me. <laughs> yeah, that's, I do see life as, you know, you're living your life, minding your business and plot twist, someone's sick, someone dies, a plane falls from the air and lands into your house, the bank calls and you have no money. And then you start on this journey that you had no idea that you didn't do anything wrong. And yet here you are trying to make it, trying to live, trying to find the answers. And yeah, I see life like that. You know, you have your own kind of troubles bubbling and you're managing it, but then something bigger just happens in a world where lots of things are already happening. And while those big things in the world are actually happening, the small thing, that's the one that's really affecting because it's a loved one. It's your house. It's your job, your day to day. And yeah, I, I like writing stories that are nested in times of trouble for the world because, yeah, the world can be that. But your mom is more important than COVID because COVID is affecting her treatment. You know, so it, yeah. I'm interested in that story, how you and your mom and your family deal with that rather than the global. And then we all wore masks and everything. How do people deal with their own personal grief? Yeah. And that's a lot of my stories are about, you know, that kind of personal grief about laws that aren't necessarily on books as laws with municipal codes or whatever, but they're transgressions, uh, transgressions against uh people you care about uh, that may not be break a law, but they're still helpful and still a little evil. Um, mm -hmm. Pointing. So yeah, that's where I, that's where I tend to write. I, I like that space. It happens to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it also added an air of suspense because every once in a while, like you'll, the character will talk about a headline she saw about how like, and then there's the threat, the two people who are talking about how LA might, sh LA might shut down. And I don't know what did like, did they have a yeah, really we severe like locked door? First lockdown? big city to lock down. It was freaky because, you know, it's a big ass city. There's 4 million yeah. people. And then on Tuesday for the mayor to say, yeah, we're shutting it all down. It's like, is, is this a joke? And yeah. it's only going to be for a week. Okay. Oh, it's not. It was, it was wild. And when we all look back at that and how just, innovative we were but just trying to survive and talking about tissue toilet paper and all this <laughs> random stuff it's like that was our life three years ago it's wild so yeah it, LA and then with Catalina Island if you if uh, your 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 fans don't know Catalina is an island right off the coast of Cal uh, Los Angeles like 26 miles it's a part of Los Angeles County the sheriffs are the law enforcement over there. So it's part of LA, but it's not. Um, and so they have their own rules there. You can't drive cars unless you uh, have been basically grandfathered in. The, the waiting list to drive a car over there is like 26 years. Wow. So get by on golf courts. So it, yeah, it's, a, it's LA, but not. It's an island that was created to be this fancy getaway place for the rich and famous and the, you know, the beautiful. And it's become, you know, a regular tourist attraction where we all LA kids go for field trips or outdoor education. So yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting place with uh, a, 
the history that is a little troubling sometimes. Yeah, with race and First Nations and drought and all the rest of it, all the stuff that makes our life a little harder and interesting. I'd love to dig more into that, like writing about SoCal and, you know, it's always glitz and glamour, but it feels like you've tapped into that seedy part, mm -hmm. that kind of mysterious part, that dusty on fire part that yes. <laughs> you don't see on TV, but so once you get there, you're like, oh, it's a little grindy here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am a native. I, I love this city. I really do. I'm very protective of LA because a lot of people who come from other places, they put on this suit that they think is LA. And for us natives, it's like, we don't act like that. And, you know, people see LA on TV and it's the glitzy glamour Kardashian like part, but there are neighborhoods like where I grow up, where, you know, there's great chicken and barbecue places and the rich have to deal with, rich black people have to deal with heli uh, LAPD helicopters, on and on, it's a whole, it's a very complicated city with a lot of stories and a lot of neighborhoods. And I'm glad that I'm, you know, one of the few black women who are writing LA stories like this, especially crime. You know, we've all read Michael Connolly's, uh, the Bosch series and uh, Robert Cray's Elvis Pike series. And, you know, that's Echo Park and that's Venice, but, there aren't stories in Black Los Angeles. We need more of those stories for in, you know, Hispanic LA. There's so many neighborhoods there and so many stories. So yeah, I stand LA. <laughs> I love it because I was telling her I'm not even from there. And it just the way you write it feels very authentic and the way you describe things. I still remember that once, I think I don't remember what book it was, but it's the lady who works for the memory company. Oh yeah, that's and like and like she would go to that uh, cafe and like just the uh -huh. description of the people working at the cafe and all the all the you know characters. People, right? Yeah, right. yeah. That is Bob's Burgers, Bob's Hamburgers, uh -huh. Long Beach, California, right next to the laundromat. Yes. Oh, see, I grew up, uh, when we were first married. We lived at the Oakwood Apartments off Atlantic Boulevard, Lord. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I and I like writing those kind of like love letter Easter eggs for for us Southern Californians and um, Skies of Ash. I write um, a scene in the very beginning where Lou is driving to the crime scene and she passes this KFC and it's, you know, in black neighborhood on Obama Road. And she says it's the KFC that, you know, the one that leaves out the biscuit. And anyone who's ever gone to that KFC knows that they either run out of chicken or they don't put your biscuit in. And, you know, I, I like those things because people are like, yeah, that's, that's that. how you run out of chicken. I don't know. But that KFC manages to do it. <laughs> I mean, before you were you starting, and I can throw this question to Danny, but we were talking about your protagonist and how it was like, oh, this is like if we got chopped in the middle of a murder mystery. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, some people find my heroines, um, I've heard, unlikable and uh, difficult. And I like to see them as like women. Uh, we're complicated people. We have allegiances to different kinds of things. We're 
shifty and generous, where mothers and lovers were, we're complicated and interesting. And I want to capture that. I don't want um, people who are who are automatically good and who you kind of know what they're going to do because like life, I see people as that. You don't know what people, who they are, you know? You, how many women say, I didn't know my husband was a serial killer and they've been living with them and sleeping next to them for all their lives. That's, that, and, but that's real because you assume folks are what they are. And I know I'm complicated. I know I'm shades of gray. Uh, I'm someone's villain in their lives, and I want that in in my characters. I love black women, and I love sharing our struggles with being called that, with being called angry. When it's just, well, how would you react? You know, with being called inconsiderate and bossy and all the rest of it. It's like, well, are we really, or is that just what you think of us? Mm-hmm. So yeah, my my characters, yeah, they are complicated, and and Coco. She's complicated because, I mean, her family, they were murdered in, on this island, this perfect island, and she's being raised by an aunt that's always resented her and her family. So they have a complicated relationship. Like, we all have complicated relationships. Um, and she can't trust people because, again, her family, the people she loved the most, was killed in this so-called perfect place. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets married to someone who is good enough, he's pretty enough, but she kind of knows that it's not like the real thing, but she wants family. She wants connection. How many of us have done that? We've struck relationships with people, not because we love them, but because I feel a little safer. I don't want to go to the movies alone. I just need someone around me because life is dangerous. And at least, you know, they're going to shoot him first before they come for me. I mean, that's, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's a real thing that you get involved with folks, not because how great they are, but just because there's a need you need to fulfill. And I think it's interesting, especially in this one, because you kind of touched on this. Not only is she a Black woman, she's the only Black woman on this island, right? And so. Uh, she and when. Yes. yes. And that's a real thing. On um, There are like one point seven five black people who live full time on Catalina. Wow. There's there's reasons for that. Um primarily when William Wrigley, as in Wrigley's spearmint gum, Wrigley with the oh. baseball world, when he bought the island, um t- even today you have to take a ferry to get over there. But in you know turn of the century America, black people couldn't get on ferries. So if you can't get somewhere, you can't settle somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so economics and access kept us off of the island. And so it, it, it complicates this perfect narrative. Um, again, natives who lived on that island, they were, of course, shuttled away or, you know, you're totally displaced. And that's a problem when we're talking about this perfect place. Well, perfect for whom? Mm-hmm. Again, we're complicated people and we have grudges and gripes and we're angry about some things. And yes, Coco is one of one of two. And so she's coming to this place that tragedy struck a long time ago. And now she's isolated from a city that she knows best, which is LA. And, you know, uh, she's lost her job. 
She's isolated because it's an island. She's isolated because she's the only one of two. She's isolated because now there's a pandemic, like isolation, isolation, isolation. So, you know, that's that's a lot of stuff. And the decisions you make may not be the best ones because, I mean, she's isolated. She's right. facing so many challenges at one time and trying to navigate what's going on on this island while also trying to navigate what's happened in her life. And like kind of expand on that. How do you feel... I feel like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to word this very well, but I want to say like writing a black protagonist for a thriller series or a suspense series has to be different than writing a white protagonist from a thriller or suspense mm-hmm. series. I remember, I think, I think it was these toxic things where they, every time she interacted with the police, I was on edge and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I would feel that way if it was a right, right protagonist. Yeah. But like, yeah, at one point I thought those aren't real police officers. They're like, but I don't think that happened. But but it was just like, and I wonder, like, when you write, do you actively consider all that? Like, how do you work yes. all in that? And because you also have to guess to make it so people who aren't Black get it. Right. Yeah. No, I make a point of uh, capturing how we feel about certain things. You know, you see, uh, for instance, a white cop, a white female cop mouthing off at her boss. Can we really do that and expect to have a job the next day? Not really. Can we mouth that up? You know, can we? do those behaviors that our, our colleagues who aren't, you know, melon rich, uh, do those things. And, you know, with police, my daughter who is 19 now, and, you know, she's been in primarily white institutions all her life. And, but as soon as a cop gets behind her as she's driving, her heart beats. She's a, you know, middle-class black girl in Los Angeles, but it, it's a thing. And I want to capture that, the visceral part of being black in America, you know, like driving across America, am I really gonna do that? Uh, No. And so, yeah, I don't have this romance with Route 66 because Mm -hmm. there are little towns off Route 66 that don't want me there. So yeah, I make it a point to point that out and to remind readers who may not want to know that or, don't want politics or race with their entertainment. For me, all all literature, especially mystery, is nothing but political. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I I want again to uh, portray my heroines as closely as I can to my life and the life of the women around me. Yeah, I I I feel you when you say all. Oh you know, pointing out and making it obvious, but there's so many like very subtle points too, where it's like, oh, is everybody picking this up? Uh Um, And then sometimes you even turn it, like, I don't want to give too much spoilers, but when Coco is interacting Uh with someone and she's like, oh, this is my friend, she did me dirty. And then in a heartbeat, she's like, of course I don't trust you. Yeah. Like, yep. And I and I want that because it's like, well, we don't go into spaces that where we open our whole hearts to because that's a dangerous place to be. And especially with, you know, people, uh, white women especially, who want to be the main character in every story. And they push back when we bristle against that. So I want it to capture that. I want it to capture 
not being introduced properly to other people that you're on a date, but you don't want them to know that because, you know, because those of us who have dated white boys, we've, we've experienced that and it makes us feel awful and less than, and that's, yeah, that's a really, a, a, a really important thing for me to, to portray when I'm uh, creating these characters, these situations where we felt uh, out of place. And that's what this book mostly is about. Um, being, is, is, is this a place for me? Um, there's a, a paragraph or two that I write about um, a, a story, someone's saying a story about a tour guy giving a, a, a tour. Oh, it was Coco's brother. And he spits out orange seeds on the ground. And she picks them up because orange trees don't belong on Catalina Island. They're not endemic. They're act, they would actually kill the natural plants there because there's not enough water. And so they make you know great effort to cut back on those things that don't belong. And so I took that idea of cutting back and getting rid of things that don't belong to people. And there are people on the island who think Coco does not belong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, early in the book also, and the cover of the book, there's um, flowers on, oh, okay, and my cat just, <laughs> uh, there are flowers on the books. And those are um, Catalina's, uh, they have a genus of nightshade nightshade being the deadly plant Mm -hmm. and when Coco first reaches the house that her family um, purchased 20 years ago the house that's hers she sees that you know there's all this overgrown brush there and she wants to cut it back but someone's like that belongs there you can't cut that back You, you don't but that does you're coming in this space and trying to change it to who you think it what you think it should be and we're not going to let you do that so yeah, uh, what never happened is a story about belonging ultimately. And once again, spaces where we find ourselves in your life where we're the only one or one of a few and how that feels. It's scary. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, it does something to us. We stop wanting to explain things. I remember I went to UC Santa Cruz and around my junior year, I got tired of explaining the blacks, uh, the black experience. Because how many times are we going to keep saying this? You're not listening. You don't care to listen. So I'm just, I'm just going to shut up and just sit here and get my grade. And that's a very real feeling for work, for for play, for romance, for all of it. It's so funny you mention that because it seems like that's something a lot of your protagonists go through, where they're sort of. Um... It seems like a lot of them have to, they're in the, either in the midst or at their start of a really emotional journey where they don't seem to trust themselves. And mm. in terms of writing, that's what kind of adds to my suspense as a reader. It's like, I, the narrator doesn't trust herself and I don't trust the narrator. So which yeah. way is this going to go? What am I going to do? And <laughs> as long as I think I am, am I as smart as I think, am I as brave as I think I am? And a lot of times it's like, no, I'm not. I'm still growing. I still don't know a lot of things, but I'm in this situation now and I'm going to splutter about and try to swim, even though I don't know how, because I have to survive. I mean, we've survived here since 16, 19, right? Mm-hmm. And we not, don't necessarily know all the answers, but we try and do as much as we can to stay afloat. And my characters, yeah, 
they don't trust themselves. Some of them are too young to understand who they even are. Uh, some are older, but life has uh, changed for them. And so they don't know who they are in this space. And that's fun. I mean, when I'm, when I'm creating characters, I only give those characters attributes, you know, what they like, what they don't like, you know, what their sign is. I have to finish the entire story. I have to do the first draft because I don't know what people, what my characters would do in these situations. Then I go back and it's like, oh, Coco, uh, she's a bear or, uh, you know, the Briggs Meyer stuff. I do that afterwards because yeah, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do when I turn 60. It'll be interesting. I mean, no one told me that when you get old, uh, yeah, the hair on your head gets gray, but your facial hair gets gray too. Oh, no. You know, that trick, trick me the F out. And so, yeah, I, I carry this little uh, lady shaver thing. I didn't think I would be doing that when I was 40. You know, this is like new knowledge and, you know, me being self-conscious of it every day to make sure that I don't have long gray hairs. But again, I'm adapting and I want my characters, little things like that will take you, take you out of the game, will make you miss someone saying something because you're worried about, can they see this here? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, with and now she's gone. Um, the the main character, Grayson Sykes, uh, she is a new private investigator. And on her first visit with the client, she wears white linen, which, as we know, wh white first of all is a problem, and then linen you get wrinkled just existing in it. And so she's noticing that she you know spills coffee on it, and now she's wrinkled, and now she's thinking about how wrinkled and stained she is in this first meeting and she can't focus because we we've all done that you know mm -hmm. we've all had runs in our stockings if i don't even know are y'all young enough to know yes, yes. <laughs> we both had to wear some white stockings yes yeah. <laughs> you think about your you know your back fat showing through your t-shirt you're you're aware of these things and it affects how you move about in the world and that makes people, especially for books, more interesting. And uh, yeah, so it takes me a whole draft to figure out, well, would, would Coco, would she like freak out over her back fat? Would she, what kind of bra would she wear? You know, those type of things, because we all have uh, things that scare us and things we don't know what we do when they happen. Yeah. And I will say just to add in, I don't want to call out any other authors, especially because I'm going to be a little bit critical, but I read a book by, it was a black author who was writing another uh, like kind of suspense thriller. And he had a female main character. I remember it was hard to get into it. I'm like, this girl ain't acting right. She's yeah. constantly putting herself in situations. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay, you got the black right, but you do not have right. the woman part right because she's going into like this house where there's suspected serial killers by herself. I'm like, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yeah. No, we a don't man wrote this that. book. Yeah, it's like, we don't seek it out. We just kind of find ourselves in there. And if we're going into a house, we don't know that until we're in there and it's like, oh, hell, what, what did I just do? Yeah, I don't think many Black people seek out um, drama. It just comes to us. 
alas, mm-hmm. it just comes to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like eh, we wouldn't do that. I mean, I remember seeing, um, was it Scandal? It was Scandal. And Shonda Rhimes finally had Carrie Washington's character put on a bonnet. That's a real thing. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's a mad. No, we do that. We are very conscious about our hair and water and how much it costs. So I'm not going to mess it up. And so when you read some, you know, Black characters, mostly written by men, who aren't <laughs> concerned with their hair, it's like, that's a lie. I don't believe yeah. it. I can't believe that. And I'm not going to believe anything you're about to tell me. Yeah. I don't want to pick on the man, but I was just like, it's real hard. It was hard in that book. You're, like, mm, you're being too reckless, girly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something we always point out when we're reading a book. Um, and, and I just, I think back to what is it? Um, these toxic things, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that the one? Where, no, we lie here when she's out oh, in the okay. desert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like people just keep, keep coming up to her. There's like, there's a mystery. So I don't want no part of that. Because my mom is crazy and that's enough. Yeah, I, <laughs> so it's like, why? Why is her mom like that? It's like, have you met people smugglers? Because I know a few of them and they are very difficult. And I had just wrote, written um, a great mom in these toxic things. And I wanted to write a mom who wasn't as, as great as um, she was in, in toxic things. It, it's, <laughs> we all know people, if they're not us, of these complicated relationships you have with your parents. And mm-hmm. Yara in uh, We Lie Here has a very complicated mom who's a very complicated person in general. And it's a true thing. They're not, every every mom isn't perfect. Every family isn't perfect. And I like capturing that. Gwen in um, What Never Happened, she's fascinating to me. And she, I know women like that. You know, I wanted to capture that you know the certain age of women who do love Vienna sausages and yellow mustard and wearing silk robes and watching the stories all day you know we those those women exist they're fun they're annoying they're fun mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that line where she's like oh she probably got all the stole all those Beverly Jenkins no <laughs> 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 and I'm sure there's gonna be some light where you're like who but we know Jenkins is because mm-hmm. she's like the queen of romance and I actually got to meet her uh in February oh, yeah, that's awesome like, yeah but it's like I I want to mention Beverly Jenkins and this woman would be she'd have a whole bunch of stolen Beverly Jenkins <laughs> yeah from somebody who made her mad uh-huh mm-hmm. uh-huh mm-hmm Oh, okay. This is what I was just going to comment. What I liked about these toxic things was because I'm I'm currently in a binge of Evil Lives Here, which is a series Ooh. where they interview people who lived with people yes. who are like yes, the like, roommate, all that. Yeah, yeah. It's like their father or their son was a ser- uh-huh. their father. This the parents are wild because it's really yeah. interesting no, to hear the parents. I look at ID discovery so <laughs> much and yes, yeah, I, yes, yes. And so that's why. I think for me, like, it's really scary when it's like the call is coming from inside the house, those books where the danger is like yeah. right at home. And so I still think about We Lie Here. I read that book. It had been just last year because it only came out last yeah, year. Sure. But I read that book and I still think about that mother character every now and then because like that for me is really, really scary. Like mm-hmm. when the stalkers, you can lock your doors, but when it's your own mama. When it's your own mom or your own boyfriend. I mean, 
it's a known thing when uh, a woman turns up dead, the cops automatically think the husband mm -hmm. or the boyfriend because no one else wants to kill your wife except you, you mm -hmm. know? That's that's scary to me. Yeah, it's it like is. Lying next to somebody or, you know, showering in the same house with someone who wants you gone. Mm -hmm. That's scary. That yeah. is scary to me. And, you know, women, when we write these stories, you know, it's called domestic suspense. And it's like, well, it sure is happening in a house, but it's it's just as important as what the men are writing about. Mm -hmm. I'd rather write about the nefarious creatures in my house and in my neighborhood rather than, you know, the world domination thing. Because this stuff, this stuff can actually happen and has happened. Because again, I'm pulling from real life. A woman like Barbara and we lie here does exist mm -hmm. and she's a Joe now so yeah that's 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 scary yeah and especially mm -hmm. you know with COVID and that's one reason I wanted to write a COVID story there were people hurting people who were trapped like kids trapped in the house with yes. these parents there were men killing their wives strangling them and saying oh well COVID did it she got it and you know, and so it was important for for me to talk about that, right? About this historical event that, yes, writ large is very important and scary, but in smaller spaces, it's terrifying because what's happening because of this? People locked in a small space with other people. And in a way, this story is a locked room story. It's a locked island mm, because mm -hmm. they're trapped on an island, the ferries truly only ran maybe once or twice a week, and that's only in emergencies. And yeah, so she's locked on this island with someone who doesn't want her there and will take her out like she, like the orange seeds that someone dropped on the ground. Mm -hmm. Wow. In our last few minutes, I'll ask a quote unquote fun one. <laughs> They're all fun. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> um, if you were transported into one of your books, mm -hmm. which one do you think you would be most likely to survive or solve the mystery? I would say <laughs> this one, what never happened, only because um, it's a finite amount of people mm -hmm. because there are only like 4,000 people on Catalina and, you know, in Bison. <laughs> uh, and because there's information around to help figure out what is going on, who historically has resented my family. So yeah, I think, I, I think what never happened, I would be able to survive more. LA stories, it's, it's 4 million people. So you have to figure out which of the one of the 4 million are gunning for you. So yeah, 4 million or 4,000. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. I will say ever since I've gotten it, I start reading these books and I'm trying to figure out who did it. And I have my, so I'm trying to pay attention, even though you said we probably missed it. Um, mm -hmm. We're gonna, we haven't finished the book yet. The book is available mm -hmm. for sale now as of the time of the release of this recording. What Never Happened by Rachel Housel Hall, her latest. And then she has another one we um, discussed briefly, a fantasy. Yeah, the last one. February. The last one, February. So that's awesome. You are, and we talked about that, like you are prolific. You say you just got to do it. You just got to keep writing. Yeah, yeah, I'm a workaholic. Yeah. 
you know, I don't want to say no to anything because one day someone's not going to ask me to do anything. So yeah, I, I try and do as much as I can while I can. Well, before we wrap, are you on any socials? Is there any place people can find you? Yes, I would say Twitter, but it's called something else now. I, I'm still there. As you someone know. said, it's mom, his mama called him Twitter. I'm going to call him Twitter. So. <laughs> you know, it's like the only thing I dead name, like that and Staple Center. Like, <laughs> Twitter, that's your name. Exactly. Uh, so yes, that. I'm on uh, Instagram or Housel Hall, but not as much because it takes a lot of effort and I'm alone. Um, and uh yeah mostly x even though it's such a so genetic <laughs> listen i can go all day about that yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah 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 but especially those of us who are talking about write about brands and you know company identities what so yeah <laughs> please find me and you know you can always reach me um on my website there's a contact form awesome awesome well, thank you. Are you reading anything right now? I know we we usually like to do a roundup. Like, are you reading anything good, or do you have anything yes. you want to shout out? I am. I am reading. Oh my gosh, it's a it's a nonfiction book, and it's about uh, a, a polar expedition that went wrong. I can't remember it's the title because if it's not a hardcover, science says you can't remember it. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a story about a South Pole expedition where basically eventually everybody's going to like be dead so that that fascinates me so i'm reading that <laughs> our, i'm pretty sure our youtube history is very similar because i also recently fell down a hole of like everest disasters That's oh my god fascinating. So read, uh, the i've read um in, into thin air like four times yes like it's why and i'm like why i know i have no inclination i don't know what it is but i gotta read it <laughs> like, I do too. Yeah, I'm like that. And I read anything that Eric Larson, who wrote Devil in White City, anything he writes and anything John Krakenor writes, I read them. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stories. Well, thank you again for joining us. If you're looking for Black Chick Lit, you can find us on Twitter at Black Chick Lit. You can also find us on Instagram at BCL Podcast and on Inst that is Instagram and on our website, blackchicklit.com. Yep, we're on threads. I guess <laughs> we are on Instagram, so I guess we are on Threads. I and totally forgot that. On one. TikTok, turn it around, look soon. Oh my god, I'm on MySpace. Might as well, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and as always, thank you to Sweet Forty Five for our intro Jones in. You can find them on SoundCloud.com at Sweet S U I T E Forty Five. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Bye.